everyone. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast. I'm Ashley, your host and your reading tutor. And as always, I'm super pumped to be here with you today. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen in. I would love to know you're listening. So go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at your reading tutor and take a few minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Today, we're going to be talking with Nicole Lace. And she is joining us from Jonesboro, Arkansas, where her and her husband currently live with their dog, Minji. So cute. made an appearance during our podcast interview. She is currently teaching first grade, and she just has a passion for talking about phonemic awareness, phonological awareness, and how families can use games to support developing these skills. She loves reading and she lives for that light bulb moment that kids experience when something finally clicks. All right, let's go. Hey there, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, where I help you build stronger readers one episode at a time. I'm Ashley and your reading tutor. My experience as an online tutor, classroom teacher, and the mother of a reluctant reader has allowed me to bring a fun and effective approach to building stronger and more confident readers. I created The Reading Project after working with dozens of families in my business that needed support in helping their readers at home. I want parents and caregivers to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. I'm here to help with book suggestions, homework tips and tricks, tools and ideas for tackling reading, writing, and spelling work at home. I am on a mission to help you develop a culture of literacy and a love of stories with your children. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm really excited to chat with you more about phonics and phonemic awareness and all things related to literacy. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited too. Awesome. Well, why don't you just jump in and get started by telling us a little bit more about your educational background and sort of how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I was one of those kids that, you know, lined up their stuffed animals along their bed and taught them, you know, A, B, C. So I've always known that this is where my life was heading. And I graduated from Arkansas State University with my bachelor's in early childhood education. And while I was teaching in South Korea, I obtained my master's in international education from Framingham State University. They have this really cool international cohort program. And then I've done various trainings like letters and trained with IMSE for my Orton Gillingham and done copious amounts of my own research and readings onto just phonics and Orton Gillingham and just how to appropriately teach children how to read. Fantastic. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now in the world of education? You're a classroom teacher, right? I am. I am currently a first grade teacher at University Heights Elementary in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I love the school and my team. It's a really great environment. And we're a K2 school, so we're super focused on like really nailing down those reading skills. Yeah. So great. That's awesome. That's really wonderful to hear too, that you have such a great team because I think that's a big part of it. Feeling successful and happy as a teacher. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We're always all supportive of each other and yeah, we really enjoy working with each other. That's wonderful. All right. So let's 
chat a little bit about what does phonological awareness mean versus phonics and phonemic awareness? Because I think these are terms that our listeners, which are largely parents and caregivers, they hear these terms in parent-teacher conferences about their child, but they don't really understand what they mean. Absolutely. I feel like teachers sometimes even get confused, especially if you're teaching at a, like a balanced literacy school versus a structured, explicit phonics school. So phonics is the general knowledge of letter sounds and how they can be put into words. So that's pretty much like that's the umbrella term. And then from phonics, you get your phonological awareness, which is the ability to recognize and manipulate the spoken part of words and sounds. So it's syllables and rhymes and it's the big stuff. And then you get into phonemic awareness, which is incredibly important for being able to read. And that is the ability to hear the individual sounds in a word and the ability to manipulate those individual sounds is incredibly important for blending and just fluency really in general. So in terms of like why it's important, right? These are the foundations of learning to read. Yes. You have to be able to manipulate and play around with these words because if you come to a word that you don't know, you can look at it and be like, oh, well, I know that this sound makes this. So if I switch it with another one, maybe it'll get me to where I need to go to be able to understand that word. And if you can get a child to do that without looking at paper, then they'll be able to apply that once they actually start looking at paper. So phonological awareness can be done on paper or just by speaking, but phonemic awareness is really just speaking. You don't have to use any paper at all. So, and, and the ability to hold on to those sounds and the parts in their head to then remove a chunk, remove a sound, replace it with a different sound while still holding that other sound in their head to make exactly. the new word. That is so key for blending mm-hmm. with I find that students who don't do not have strong phonemic awareness where they can hear every single sound in a word, it takes them a lot longer to learn how to blend all those sounds. And then when you go to encode it, when you go to write it down, a word like plant, you've got two, you've got two blends in that word. And if they're not hearing every single sound, you have lots of opportunities to misspell that word. Right, right. Yeah, and I think as a private tutor, I see a lot of kids coming to me with gaps in what we're talking about. And and so they're maybe they're in third grade or fourth grade. I get a lot of kids around that age that are suddenly having struggles with reading. Their teachers are saying they're behind or just the work's getting really hard, whatever it is. And often I'll find some kind of a gap somewhere in in those early foundational skills. So, absolutely. I just started tutoring a 13-year-old who was recently diagnosed with dyslexia and he his reading fairly good. I mean, he is 13 and he does have a lot of experience in the class. 
but he didn't know where to split up the syllables. Mm-hmm. But then when I go into like phonemic awareness, he cannot even hear those individual sounds in like the last blend. And so it's really funny how far students can get without that phonemic awareness. Because when the words get bigger, that's when it becomes a lot more evident that there's something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here at the Reading Project, we're all about helping families be empowered to support their children along the way and after they realize something's not right and they need to help their child to catch up or overcome this obstacle. So we want families to feel like they can help their child. So what can we do at home to support our early readers? There are so many games that you can play with your kids that as long as you understand a a couple of things before you get started, you can do this in the car, you can do this at the kitchen table at dinner, you can, while you're on a, a walk, there's so many opportunities to get this phonemic awareness and the phonological awareness in to your daily life because you don't need to have paper in order to do this. You don't have to be in front of a book. That's the great thing. Phonemic awareness you can actually do with your eyes closed because it's all in your brain. So, yeah. Um, I know when you, when we were emailing before and you said, um, I want to talk about word games. And I was like, yeah, I love talking about games. Yeah, because I think that that's one of the biggest hurdles. The parents feel like it has to be this structured like lesson plan, and I don't know how to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. Like your kids will won't even notice they're learning if you make it a game, right? <laughs> and you can just with a few purchases of like magnetic letters, and even just the blocks that you've got at home, Lego, anything that can represent a sound. It doesn't have to be that letter. It can just be a block. When I work with, you know, kids developing their phonemic awareness and they can't see it in their head, I just use a square tile. Mm -hmm. So Lego blocks or Barbie dolls or trucks or whatever you want, just something that they can manipulate as you're working these games or as you're working these skills in case they're struggling to actually hear it. By touching it and making it multisensory, that's where that connection is going to be formed. So we can talk about like the phonological awareness. Phonological awareness is rhyming words. Parents and I feel kids are super familiar with playing with rhyme, the onset and rhyme and just making up rhyming words. What rhymes with cat, bat, mat, sat? Um, but that's only one part of it you have to extend not just from onset the like the beginning letter and the rest of the word which is the onset and rhyme but you have to go into the individual sounds as well so like if you are going on a trip right you're in the car and you can point out the word what rhymes with cow i see a cow what rhymes with cow you know sow, whatever. Um, You can come up with what 
has the same beginning sound as tree, trick, try. Just I used even... to do a lot of this kind of gaming, this kind of play with my daughter when she was like under under five. We'd be at the grocery store, right? And especially because the grocery store, you're like, all right, she's here in the cart and she's looking at everything, taking it all in anyway. This is like perfect, and it's. Once you get the hang of it, it is it can be pretty, I don't want to say mindless, but like very easy. Like to just say, oh, there's an apple. What rhymes with apple? Well, apple's a hard one to rhyme, but. <laughs> what rhymes with apple? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, some of these phonological awareness, like word games we're talking about now, don't require any, anything, right? It's no. just re- you remembering to Pointing do it. Pointing out, yeah. Pointing out things, remembering to actually engage and do these things, not get lost in the music that you're listening to or your phone or whatever else. And like, yeah, just actually doing it. Um, Another game for syllables could, so syllabication is a part of phonological awareness, counting how many syllables are in a word because once you know how many syllables are in a word and then you go to spell it, then you break down the sounds within the syllables. But in order for kids to hear the sounds within the syllables, they have to hear the syllables first, right? So, you know, those poppers, the, the poppet. I love to use those to touch and segment. And you could say how many syllables are in the word fantastic, fantastic and pop each one of those bubbles and then you could even break that down into individual sounds how many sounds are in the word zoom mm. i hear three sounds touch push down those bubbles and Mm. that's that really multi-sensory tactile and i mean how what kid doesn't have a poppet at this point i know right geez they're everywhere (laughs) they are (laughs) So true. We were at the mall last week. And there was like an Among Us shaped popper that was as big as my six year old. Oh my gosh! They, your six year old must have been in heaven just watching to see the God touch it, touch all the bubbles. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yes, use use that poppet that your kid just flings around and throws like the frisbee. Use that for it's what it's meant to do. Segment your sounds. That's um, right. <laughs> So, yeah, the segmenting is really important. And then slowing down sounds. I love to slow down words and really stretch them out. So play a guessing game like I, um, what sound, what word am I saying? And then your kid can, like, interrupt you, be like, bat, bang. And you're like, no, 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 listen carefully. And then go through all the words until all the word is done and then they have to hear back so that's Mm -hmm. a really good way of stretching those sounds out yep and then you can always substitute sounds as well Mm -hmm. so if you've got and then go but and then cat and then just keep stretching out those sounds and changing them around and then once you get good with stretching them out, then you can go a lot faster. Say bat, change the book to k, and then it becomes cat. 
change the t to b, and that becomes tab. And you don't want to necessarily change around, unless they're super good at it, you don't necessarily want to change around substituting like the beginning letter and then the end letter and then the middle letter. You keep it all like the same. So mm-hmm. if you're only working with your beginning letters, keep mm-hmm. it beginning letters. Mm-hmm. If you're only working with ending sounds, keep it ending sounds. If you're only working with vowels, keep it vowels. And then once they become super proficient with that, then you get to mix it up. Mm-hmm. But make sure that they're really proficient with one section of it first. Those are awesome. And I love all of those because, like we've already said, these are things you can just do. Once you familiarize yourself with the, the different activities, you can do it really anytime. Mm-hmm. And I think personally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can do these at any, like any time you're doing these, like that's good. Like it don't oh, feel yeah. like you have to do it every day at two no. like <laughs> as no, much as you no. can is good. <laughs> Even just a couple of times, like when I do it in yeah. class, we use a book from Hegarty, which is a company that does the curriculum for this kind of stuff. And then that lasts me maybe 10 minutes. And then once I know where the students are in their levels in my small groups, I only do it for about one or two minutes and we target one specific skill, but it doesn't take long. Yeah. It's not time consuming. And I'm literally looking around my room right now, coming up with ideas of words. That's how fast you can come up with things. There is one thing I would caution though, parents is when you're having your kids change the sounds, have them change it to real words. If you're giving them a real word and then you're substituting a sound and it becomes a nonsense word or a word that's not real, it kind of confuses them. So if you're going to start changing and manipulating sounds, keep it all either real words or sure, go with the nonsense words, but make sure there's a distinction. And if you happen to come up with a nonsense word, acknowledge it. Is that a real word? Oh, if I wanted to make that a real word, what could I change? And mm-hmm. have the kid come up with something. Yeah, I, great. That would be just one of the things I would caution parents about. All right. What other games you have? So if you have a bag and you put like letter magnets or a picture or something in that bag and then you can pull it out and then say it's a picture of a cat how many sounds are there in cat cat and then try and make up another word that rhymes with cat mm-hmm. just using whatever's in that bag to inspire you to mm-hmm. come up be able to play with the sounds that's your whole objective however mm-hmm. you want to deliver that but yeah a mystery bag always allows them to get super into it and then they can touch it and they can feel it and it's like all sorts of sensory stuff and then you can extend that by changing the letters awesome okay I want to make sure that I gave you enough time to cover all your games was there anything else in your notes that you wanted to share with us today just when you're even speaking you can exaggerate sounds so Can you go let the dog in or can you pass me the milk? And then you can get your kid to identify what sound you were trying to 
exaggerate and where it comes in the word. Is it the first sound? Is it the second sound? Is it, was that the third sound? My daughter would love that. I'm totally going to do that with her. She loves anything silly, anything like she's six. So like bring on the fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. And incorporating hand actions too. When you use Hegarty, you use a lot of hand actions. So one of the ones I love to do to identify the vowel sounds in words is a roller coaster hand. So you start, you know, shoulder height and then you just, it, as you say the word like bag, b, ah, and then you let your hand goes up on the vowel and then back down. And then that's really fun for them to just like really go up and down and see how you can really isolate that vowel. Fantastic. Yes. We, we're going to have an episode coming out with Kristen Dwyer and we talked about multisensory instruction and we had a whole episode with Megan Beam that just came out last week about multisensory instruction and it's I think it's great that you mentioned movements because I think sometimes parents get overwhelmed when they hear these big words like multisensory instruction and phonemic awareness but I really want to bring this into your home into your car that like you can do these things it's okay don't be scared by the big names right <laughs> you can yeah, do this it's, stuff. it's just teacher jargon really it's just can you pick out the sounds and the words yeah can exactly. you switch them around can you take them away right There's, right yeah. <laughs> and learning how to do these things with your kiddos and and starting to sort of wrap them into the culture of your family is super important because you're really laying the foundation for the building on to these reading skills with the more complex reading tasks as they get older. So it's worth it now. <laughs> Absolutely. And you'd be surprised how my tutoring kids, their parents will be like, oh, we played this at dinner last night or we played this out in the backyard last night and they were doing so well that like you can do this any time using the objects you have around you. Just keeping in mind, try and keep the words real rather than nonsense and don't switch skills until they're completely accurate with what they're doing. Like, otherwise they're going to get confused. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been great. I I always like to wrap up my podcast interviews by talking a little bit about books. So you could share uh, your favorite children's book from, from your personal childhood or even just a book your students are loving right now. What's your favorite book? My favorite type of book to read to my students is anything that allows me to be dramatic because (laughs) I love being super dramatic and act when I read. Um, Well, you must love the book with no pictures then. Do you know that (laughs) book? I do enjoy his (laughs) book and Max having his journey across the sea and I'm, I can talk to the kids about what it means to be accepted in your family, what it means to be accepted in a community, how the wild things took him in, made him king, and what it means to feel lonely, how you can imagine a world around you. Did Max actually leave his bedroom? He didn't. But in his head, he did. And that's okay, because we can use our imagination. And, it, you know, Marie Sendak is such, was such a, an amazing author and illustrator and his books are just pure classics and yeah where the wild things are or anything by mo willems yes elephant and great. piggy allow me and the pigeon yes allow me to share my 
voices and my dramatic acting chops to my students. Oh, well, that's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us today and sharing all of these ideas and tips with us. I really appreciate you taking the time because I know class classroom teachers right now are just out straight. So, <laughs> you know what? I that's why I love my school and I love where I work because I feel supported and we're we're trying to do the best we can with what we've got and we're we're making it work and but thank you so much for having me this was really really fun and I love being able to talk about the stuff I love to teach awesome okay we just wrapped up with Nicole what a great episode I love talking about games I love talking about books and talking with other educators to see what they're doing what's working for them we my my biggest takeaways here are just to remember phonemic awareness phonological awareness being able to manipulate sounds the things we talked about today, these are the foundation of building a strong reader. And when your child has gaps in these areas, we see that, right? It shows up later in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Those gaps show up when the words get longer, the texts are more complicated. But we can do something right now as families. We can do something as parents and educators right now to help our children develop these skills. We can play games, we can rhyme with them, and we can look out the window and say, oh, I see a frog. What's another word that starts with the same sound as frog? And we can slow down sounds and play games like guess my word, where you really stretch out the sounds and your child has to try and guess which word you're saying. And there's just a lot of ways that we can play with words with our kids that are games, right? It feels fun to them, but they're learning. Make sure you tune in to hear all of the tips that Nicole talks about. She also is going to share with us a one-page download for our listeners that has examples of words that you can use with your kiddo to play with and sort of to have a visual representation of how to do these different games. So make sure you head to the show notes to check that out. And until next time, keep reading. Thanks so much for listening. And if you know anyone who might be interested in joining us and listening in on my podcast, I would love for you to share it. And I'd also love to connect with you on social. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. All my links are in the show notes. Make sure you head over to my website at www.yourreadingtutor.com to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be notified when new episodes come out and any new promotions or services that I'm offering. You can also find my free signature three-step reading reward system on my website. You'll be able to download it and just get started right away helping your struggling reader to reach their potential. Keep reading. See you next time.